0: Welcome to the Interim Leader Podcast brought to you by Odgers Interim, the UK's number one interim management provider. Hi, I'm Becky Mackrell. I lead Audra's Interim Investment and Professional Services Practice. In our podcast today, we're exploring neurodiversity and how it will shape our workplace of the future. Today, I'm joined by John Lavelle, Interim CTO and former non-executive chair of the British Dyslexia Association, and Danny Lehman-Hill, Director of Fundraising and Development at Ambitious About Autism who will be giving their advice to others and supporting neurodiversity in the workplace. John, first questions for you. What words would you use or, or not use to describe neurodiverse people?
1: I think it's very situational. It depends whether you're talking to them directly or whether you're referring to things that affect a group of people you regard as potentially neurodiverse. I would usually try to follow the lead of whoever I'm talking to. If they've introduced a word, say dyslexia, I'm happy to talk about it. If it appears to me that they may be struggling with something and struggling in a manner that personally I recognise because I'm dyslexic too, I would be less inclined to talk about them and more inclined to create a situation in which we could address whatever the challenge was that, that they're facing.
0: John how does neurodiversity manifest itself in the workplace?
1: It's completely individual. it's usually a variety of of sort of strengths and weaknesses, so you could be seeing simply massively high performing people with you know huge drive creativity, great communication skills, perhaps verbally, you know massive attention to detail, lots of ideas and that could really fit the role so it might be that you're not you don't ask yourself if there's a label to attribute to it you just think this is a person who is excelling at at what they do conversely in terms of downsides we all we all have downsides but people with uh, specific neurodiverse characteristics often have sort of greater impact from some sort of specific weaknesses perhaps and so if they're forced to work in an area that causes them to use skills that necessarily are somewhat undermined, um, then you'll start to see those things coming through. And of course, with that, that starts to undermine their confidence um, and that can lead to a a whole sort of downward spiral, really, um, either in terms of their performance generally, or perhaps perception of them.
0: What strengths do our neurodiverse population bring to the workplace?
1: I work in technology or business transformation, really, I suppose, but underpinned by technology. And and I guess as a consequence, I, I get to work with quite a lot of neurodiverse people by choice because we tend to be people that are good at imagining what tomorrow might be like and coming up with ways to get there. Some of us also are, in I guess, incredibly driven probably by a a bit of a fear of failure, having tripped over our own shoelaces quite a lot as a child, I guess. So tend to be fairly driven to actually make sure that we're successful. I think, as a consequence of of maybe some of that that creativity and the you know the ability to to see the big picture and and and, and shape things, you do tend to see a lot of CEOs, business founders, entrepreneurs who really benefit from whatever their major upside through neurodiversity is.
0: John, what advice would you give to employers to make the interview process more accessible for neurodivergent candidates?
1: That first stage of of contact with an organisation actually starts even before then. It's a question of, you know, what are you advertising? To whom are you advertising it and through what medium? have you thought about the role? Is the role a shape that can be performed by a wide variety of people? Is it a role that would really benefit from specific characteristics that tend to occur amongst particular groups of the neurodiverse more than maybe your average population? So I I think it even starts before that that interview stage. In terms of, of the interview process itself, I think again, it's important to make it accessible. I mean, it's an obvious statement and it's a legal obligation, but 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 I but I mean in a really practical way, it's good to think about what information do you provide to the candidate before the event? What are you going to ask of them on the day? How are you going to ask it? What's the environment going to be like? I think the other thing is who's doing the interviewing and how flexible are they to different thinking styles and so on? And perhaps how aware are they of? the way maybe they need to behave um, or the way they can set somebody else at ease or whatever. Um, And I guess it's really important to remember that just because you've managed to hire a load of people in in neurodiverse categories, it doesn't mean that they will have a great career with you. It's all the other steps that have to also work well.
0: How can firms nurture and retain their neurodiverse talent?
1: I think the key is to to recognise people's strengths. We don't hire people because of their downsides, we hire them because they're great at something or they could be great at something. And I think it's really important to recognise those strengths. It's also important for those individuals that they can see that the things you're recognising them for really align with what the business cares about. And I think that's a key part of any policy around neurodiversity, it has to line up with the things the business cares about inevitably though of course in terms of making a good environment to work in people do need some potentially anyway some adjustments now some of those things if you just give people the tools they'll get on with it themselves other people need different things and i think it's really critical that we don't put obstacles in their way actually accessing that stuff and ideally we make it the same for somebody who's neurodiverse or not neurodiverse so that there's no visible declaration attached to you know asking for an adjustment
0: how has or can machine learning and other advanced forms of technology impact neurodiversity in the workplace
1: there are some fantastic examples of good use of technology um, for example, Microsoft has baked into Office 365 a whole range of tools that support a variety of different people. You know, from the speech to text, text to speech, to the the automatic addition of uh, alternative text in uh, when you paste a picture into something, to automatic formatting, all that kind of stuff that that just helps people overcome things that otherwise they would find particularly tricky. On the other hand, If you look at process automation through technology, the use of machine learning and things like that, inevitably with neurodiversity, just like anything else, it's only going to ever be as good as it was either written to be or or as good as the data that it was trained on is. You can have a situation with technology where something that's designed around the neurotypical effectively is applied systematically to neurodiverse individuals who simply can't get on with or don't fit the model and so consequently it 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 really embeds problems so as with all things with technology if you do it right um, and you you take into account all of society it's a massive advantage
0: what is your advice for raising awareness and neurodiversity in the workplace
1: I think it's really important to raise awareness I think we also have to question what we mean by raising awareness I think the goal we're trying to achieve is is to kind of raise the bar in terms of the sort of level of understanding that people have of the existence of difference and then the acceptance of that difference there's no doubt that given that we still struggle to diagnose some of this stuff in schools we still struggle to teach people in a manner that they find accessible. By the time people hit the workplace, we cannot assume that society at large has a good understanding of even what the labels mean, let alone anything else. I was diagnosed as dyslexic quite late in life, and certainly until that point, my understanding of what it meant was wrong, (laughs) fully. I think it's important to simply keep going with events um, and... Information that will gradually alert people to the fact that neurodiversity brings strengths. I think strengths is has got to be one of the key messages, but that those strengths do come potentially along with some differences that may be unfamiliar, and that it may be necessary to make minor modifications to to actually accommodate those differences. And in the workplace, of course, that should allow individuals to perform as as well as they can and those strengths should shine.
0: Over to you now, Dani. Can you tell us how does autism manifest itself in the workplace?
2: So there are typically four areas of difference that represent how autism might uh, manifest in the workplace. The first is about communication. So um, we talk about social communication, which means that Sometimes some autistic people may struggle to express themselves or understand what others are saying to them. And what this looks like in a workplace setting is that um, perhaps they might need a bit longer to process language or communicate. Um, It might mean that people communicating with them need to communicate really clearly, which is, of course, a benefit to everyone. Um, Another area is interaction. So social interaction means that some autistic people may struggle a bit with social cues and rules. um, And in the workplace, um, it can be that facial expressions can be hard to read. Um, It can be hard for them to form and maintain social relationships. Um, Sometimes an autistic person may unintentionally appear insensitive. The feelings of others, or they may talk at length about something regardless of listeners' interest. Um, But an upside is autistic people are far less likely to be influenced by bias, Um, they're far less likely to indulge in bullying, gossip, uh, anything like that. Um, Social imagination is another area of difference, and this is about using your executive function to anticipate what might happen next in any given situation. And in the workplace, this can mean that some autistic people can benefit from very clear plans, for example, their route to work um, and a planned alternative in case their route goes wrong. Um, and sometimes autistic people can find fixed rituals or routines or repetitive movements, harming or beneficial, which can be noticed by others. And then the final one is sensory processing. So this means that some autistic people may be sensitive to the environment around them. One person described it to me as like being in a room with five different radio stations all going on at once. Um, Autistic people are sometimes over or under stimulated by their senses, and this can apply to touch, hearing, sight smell taste body awareness balance movement you know sometimes autistic people may appear clumsy when in fact it's just their sensory reaction to their environment and in a workplace setting sensory stimulation can be a real challenge for people who can for example even hear someone breathing on the other side of the room or smell what someone's had for lunch and you know often we'll recommend something as simple as noise defending earphones or perhaps just quiet corner to work.
0: What strengths do our neurodiverse population bring to the workplace?
2: So with the right support in place autistic people can absolutely thrive at work um, and often bring strengths that aren't seen so often among a neurotypical workforce. So just some of these strengths include things like attention to detail, creativity, persistence, loyalty, hyper focus and the ability to think differently visually, spatially and laterally. Um, And this is something that's very much being recognised by many major global firms who are um, often quite specifically targeting um, a neurodiverse talent pool in order to bring those special strengths into their organisations, So a few examples, HPE placed 30 autistic people in software testing roles, um, and they were able to prove from this that a neurodiverse testing team was 30% more productive than their neurotypical testing teams. We also work, for example, with SAP, um, and they report um, many examples of autistic employees contributing to significant innovations um, which is actually saving them millions of dollars worth
0: of savings. What can employers do now to prepare for an easy inevitable transition back into the office environment?
2: So autistic people just like non-autistic people are currently finding themselves in a place of workplace flux. Some of them are still working from an office environment and some of them are working remotely. And what we've learned in terms of supporting autistic people in working remotely is to make sure that they are really well equipped with all the technology and uh, access that they need. um, That they're given a really structured work plan. That enables them to fill their time in a manageable way and is really clear what they need to do and when, um, because that lack of visibility and immediate access may um, cause distress to them if um, they're not able to complete all their tasks in an understandable way. And also, loads of opportunities for um, contact, catch up, checking in, that sort of thing. What we found is that um, many autistic people are very comfortable in a remote working setting. But of course, for many of them, um, they'll be ultimately returning back to the office, uh, just like us, we hope. Um, And in those instances, we recommend that you start with the individual, and ask them what their specific information needs are in knowing what to anticipate when they return to work. So absolute clarity on things like their working pattern, the times they're supposed to be there, who they're reporting to, where they're sitting, um, what the rules are around sitting. Is it a hot desking situation? Will they have a fixed desk? them as much information as you can so that they know what to expect in order to make it a really smooth transition for them
0: thank you john and danie for joining us on the podcast today please don't forget to like subscribe and follow our future episodes of the interim leader